Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Getting to a championship might be like a Rubik's Cube. You know, you're, you're looking at, at this thing and it's got all these different colors and you've got to get them to all line up. There's a thousand different ways to turn the cube and to get it so it all lines up, but you're going to eventually do it. That's how I look at this. Welcome to the Lakers Legacy, where seasons come and seasons go. This last one flashed progress, but people will still somehow hate D'Lo. <laughs> Why? Why, guys? Why? But just remember which podcast had his back from day zero, Ohio State Zero, right here, your Lakers Legacy. All right, Alan. Well, it is once again another end to the season, and despite the familiar feeling of no playoffs and the overblown terror of setting our franchise back six years by losing a top three pick, the sentiment in the air is still definitely a lot more optimistic and hopeful than it ever has been, even after last year's Kobe 60-point closer. So the Lakers ended the season winning five out of the last six, improved by nine wins from last season, despite numerous injuries in the middle of the season, had a stretch where they were 10-10 and 10 during a really difficult early schedule, and still somehow are coming out of this season with a 46.9% chance of keeping their pick. So with all that being said, Alan, how are you feeling to close this Lakers season. Feeling pretty good, honestly. Again, who expected us to go 10-10 at any point? Who would have thought we would win five out of six games here to close out the season? And sure, there were a lot of rough patches in there, but of course we can point to it all started with the injuries right after 10-10 and to D'Angelo to Nick Young. And I mean, it really did snowball out of control there. And a lot of it is the guys were young, but really the biggest takeaway for me is that the culture seems to have changed so much, starting with Luke being hired and then the front office communicating very openly, being transparent. Uh, those are my biggest takeaways. Now, I, I guess like the unfortunate thing is the front office thing happened toward the end of the year, so we still haven't gotten like an accurate read on what is to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, next year's exciting. Again, it feels like yet another fresh start, but it seems like more of the pieces are truly in place so we can 
look forward with clarity. Like a Rubik's Cube? I don't think a Rubik's Cube is very clear, <laughs> yep. but... It's, it's getting there. You know where it wants to go. And I've never <laughs> solved one either. But you know where the colors go eventually. eventually. Oh, for sure. It's extremely clear when one side is all white, one side's all red, one side's all blue, one side's all... That's how it works, right? Right. You just want it all match? Yep. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and we'll get to more of our thoughts on the season in its entirety in a little bit. Today's episode will basically be looking back on our early predictions for the season based off of who we thought was going to be our best player, best defenders, best six-man of the year, and just hand out Lakers awards and kind of update our predictions and also look back on our statistical predictions as well. If you want to listen to our our episode with Pete Zayas, actually, at Laker Film Room, check out episode 79, Magic 8 Ball, where we just throw out a bunch of preseason predictions on everything Lakers. And this episode, we'll see how close or how really far we got. So that should be fun. This is going to expose us. Yeah. um, At least me. (laughs) Before we get to that, though, I just wanted to say that, you know, you got to chalk it up to the Lakers for really being Hollywood through and through in terms of the way that they're able to close things out for their players. You know, it almost seems scripted the way things end for some of these dudes, whether it was Kobe Bryant last year hitting 60 to close his career to this year, D'Angelo Russell's last game being a game winner against Minnesota, a a game winner that bounced around and dropped back in, in fact, in dramatic fashion to Meta World Peace ending his career as a Laker with 18 points, four steals. He ended up becoming the 22nd, 22nd in the steals leader rankings and ended up passing Ron Harper with his second steal in that game against, who was it on? Was it New Orleans? Yeah, I yeah. think it was New Orleans, yeah, and Staples Center. So got to chalk it up to the Lakers and that narrative that they continue to ride in terms of just being very Hollywood. So it's awesome, actually. Can't script it any better than the way they do it. And you Basketball know, gods, man. Exactly, and for, for all intents and purposes, even though they closed the season with that Golden State route, the end of the season was really that New Orleans game at home. That was just extra extra play at the yeah. end there. We were always going to lose the Golden State oh, game. Yeah, second half of back-to-back against the Warriors, last game of the year. Come on. Yeah, exactly. So overall, great bookend to the Lakers year. Obviously, we had the exit interviews and everything this past week, and a lot of what came out of that was just a lot of good vibes in terms of the guys just totally loving Luke Walton, just saying how much of a personable guy he is and just the new vision continuing to be brought out there by Rob Polinka and everybody else. So, And we'll get to that in a little bit. We just want to also thank all of our listeners and followers, old and new and new new, for joining us. <laughs> and on old, this, old. And old, old. Bunch of old heads. <laughs> exactly. For joining us on this journey this past season. I think we've slowly made progressive strides, just like this team, as a show and quality, humor, and chemistry, I hope. We thank the day one OGers, we thank the new listeners, and we hope you guys will continue to support us in any small way and continue to interact with us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us, that's how many tweets from Lakers fans bemoaning and hating on the Lakers winning these last few games, including hating on D'Angelo's game winner for his grandma, over a 9% better chance at keeping their top three picks. So I'll be retweeting on May 16th all of those tweets of all these Lakers hating the D'Angelo game winner and the wins and crying over all this stuff. And uh, if I'm retweeting a bunch of those tweets on that day and exposing these overreactionary fools, then that should indicate something, meaning, you know. So if, yeah, no. if, so if you want to see that happen and see a whole bunch of RTs from at Lakers Lexi Pod calling out all these dudes, rate and review us on iTunes. Speaking of rating and reviews, tonight we got none other than GM Rob 
Blinka Inka Tinka Bukovna Na Na to read our review. Well, uh, thank you, Jonathan. I want to say I appreciate that very much. It's great to be here. All right. It's Lit from Joe and Tendu. I love this podcast. It's basically a couple of guys sitting around talking about the Lakers, which is great for me because I live on the East Coast in a house with no NBA fans. So, when I listen to this podcast, I get that conversation that I can't get from my family and friends. Also, they keep it trill, which is always lit AF. And I played with the the Fab Five, so I understand this language. Hashtag, trust Rob Lowe. I... People always make that comparison with my looks. I wish I were that good looking. And hashtag flashes. Thank you, Laker fans. Good night. Oh, wow. Thank you, Rob Palenka. <laughs> I almost said Rob I Lowe. I almost said Rob Lowe, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Thank you, Joe and Tendu. That sucks that you have nobody in your family who's, who's an NBA fan. But that's okay, because Rob Palenka just read your reviews. So. <laughs> yeah, so let's get on with our show. Yeah, I just wanted to get more of your overarching thoughts on the season. For me, I'm actually really glad at the way this season ebbed and flowed, even though it was very uneven. It wasn't a normal season by any stretch. To recap, we started off 7-5, and 10-10. And, and I actually like that we started off that way, as opposed to being a team that just got its wins like here and there, you know, spread out randomly throughout the season, just like any other random bad 25-26 win team, we can always at least look back on that short stretch as a tangible example, you know, whether it was truly real or not, of how good we can be when we're playing for each other and everyone's aligned and everything like that. So we can always legitimately say we were at one point a 10 and 10 team. No one can take that away from us. And it was a 20 game sample size. It's nothing to sneeze at, obviously. And it was during a really tough stretch. The NBA didn't didn't do us any favors with that early stretch, right? So I'm glad that they have always have that legitimate example to point back to and then also say, hey, regardless of whether or not that 10 and 10 was a legit 10 and 10, there were also legit examples of why we deviated from that with D'Angelo Russell going down with the injury, like you said, Nick Young going down with injury, even Julius Randle for a little bit of time. And then what people don't realize is when those guys get back, it takes so much to adjust again and bring back the chemistry. And, you know, having said that, you also have momentum that's being built up. Once that gets kind of thrown to the wayside because of these injuries, it's really tough, especially for a very, very young team to rebound from that. So it's really not that surprising to see a team absolutely derail like the Lakers did after that. So which is why I say... Moving forward, especially going into next season, the, the Lakers should remember that stretch, you know? So I'm glad we started off 10-10, and 10, had that stretch, and somehow rebounded at the end, too, even though tankers hate it. But we also have a stretch at the end to say, oh, we also won five out of our last six. We just need to figure out how to sustain this for an entire season, even with the health woes. And I'm actually glad that they went through these growing pains now as opposed to later, right? Like, let's say we had kind of kept it going and kind of fooled ourselves into thinking that we were a better team than we actually were. Let's say we did end up having a 35-win season and we're all pumping ourselves up for almost making the playoffs, didn't face any adversity or anything like that. So many other teams like this in the past have had that experience and they fooled themselves into thinking they were better than they actually were. Like the Phoenix Suns. Remember when the Phoenix Suns were at the brink of like making the playoffs and everybody was like, oh, this is how you're supposed to rebuild. They got Eric Bledsoe, Goran Dragic, blah, blah, blah. 
And then they just went to the toilet, you know, and they're back to being a lottery team and trying to rebuild once again. Even the Minnesota Timberwolves, just as recently as this year, people were like, oh, this is going to be a playoff team. Oh, just kidding. They're super young. You know, let's not get hyped. Even the Milwaukee Bucks, they made the playoffs, I think, two years ago. And then last year they didn't make it again. Right. So it's good to get out ahead of the growing pains and experience the bumps and bruises now so that we can be more realistic once we're progressively making those strides to become a playoff team. So that's what I like about this season. I don't know if you had any other thoughts on on this season as a whole. Yeah, I think what I like best is, and this is kind of talking about an individual, which I'm sure we're going to get to, but Brandon Ingram's progress Mm -hmm. is a great indicator of how much an individual can grow if they take constructive criticism well and really put their mind towards something. I mean, his performance pre- and post-All-Star break are night and day. And that's what a bunch of the players said today during their exit interviews. And he's not the only one who improved so much on this team. So I think the individual growth uh, truly impressed me. Yeah. Now the next step is growing as a team. Right. And, you know, it's easy to forget that this was essentially Julius's second year. Yeah. You know, we, we still think of him as, you know, he's like a third year player just because, I don't know, like maybe him having a kid also makes him just seem older. But he's, you know, at the same level of experience as D'Angelo, you know, so we can really look at him that way. And he has improved a lot. So that's what I can take away. And in terms of what's the common factor there, like, why did they all take substantial leaps forward? It, it all goes back to the leadership. It all goes back to Luke. And so many guys, again, today said that there was like a dark cloud over the team last year. Things were looking really unstable and murky and whatever you want to call it. And this year there is some clarity. So everything good that these players did this year can point back to the top and the improvements they've made. It's all about the structure and the the clear vision that's being presented to all of them. So you figure with an entire summer with the front office in place with Luke communicating with the guys because he is such a player's coach. I I think the amount of growth that should occur for next season is going to be significant. Right. Totally. Let's talk about Brandon Ingram's dunk though. Oh my man. Because did he end the season on a absolute high note with, and we thought that he'd already topped himself in terms of dunk highlights with regards to dunking on Papa Gianni having two great dunks on the Kings game, in the Kings game, and then, man, against Czech Diallo. Holy crap, man. Fellow rookie. My God. I did not... He he was, like, one step inside the free throw line, took off, and I was like, ooh, can you do that? Apparently he can, because he jammed it down so hard, looked at the crowd, raised his Blood Crips gang sign (laughs) fingers or whatever. So many clips have, like, cut that highlight short. Of that oh, really? sign. That's so like he funny. starts to raise his hands and all of a sudden the clip is over. It's hilarious. hilarious. Uh, we have no idea really what that means. Whatever. You know, it could mean something totally different. Yeah, we're but, not saying he's but, affiliated with no, the gang. We're not, totally not kidding. But just the fact that Brandon Ingram let out that primal scream once again and was like, almost like, yo, this is my house. This yeah. is my house. Oh, for sure. Um, the way that D'Angelo explicitly likes to say, but Brandon Ingram was just like, I'm going to just yell, let out this yell, you know? Yeah. Um, of emotion and it was just man it's so much fun to watch i legitimately got off my seat and feet as well yeah and dude. um 
highlight of the year for Brandon. Oh, Ingram for sure, done. definitely. The fact that it all kind of culminated into that one moment for him to just rise above, and that was once again one of those dunks where it's like not only his length but verticality, you know. Oh, and definitely. I'm, I, he's actually proving me wrong in terms of how I thought his athleticism was because mm. I thought he was okay athletically. Right. I didn't think he was like explosive athletic. Yeah. You know? I sure. always thought it was predicated on his length, you know, mitigating that a little bit, but. Man, if he just gets in the weight room a little bit and strengthens those like calf muscles and doesn't skip leg day, who yeah, knows, yeah. man? Those, those string bean arms and legs, as Jordan Clarkson said. Totally, and these this is off like one foot. Yeah, Check Diallo's no joke either. Um, no, so no, it's, he's a shot blocker, and he's like a big, he's a big dude. Yeah. So you know, someone said it on Twitter, but you made that check bounce. <laughs> <laughs> and he totally did. Nice. And you know, I said when Brandon Ingram did that dunk, someone should have Diallo'd 911. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what'd you, what'd you think of that dunk? I mean, yeah, I jumped out of my chair too, dude. And like, the second he started gathering from around the, the three point line, you know, yeah. I, I started to stand up. I was like, oh crap, here we go, you know. And again, he, he just gets that like look where he plays the angle correctly right. and you know he wants to attack. And shoot, man, he's done it like five times in the last week or two. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we've come to expect it, and you can just like see it happening in slow motion almost, and he just throws it down with a hammer. Yeah, dude, if I'm going to take away like one thing from this season, it's going to be like that play and those types of plays for yep. sure. And, you know, actually one of the most impressive parts about that play was how it started because he was like about 10 feet above the three-point line, and it took him – two or three crossovers to get to that move. You know, he actually did like a weave amidst defenders and screens to get to that move. And it was crazy that it was a combination of not only athleticism and length, but like dribbling skill. And people, I always go back to the Thonmaker thing and people are like, oh, Thonmaker has impressive dunks too. But if you watch all of Thonmaker's highlights this year, 80 to 90% of them are all passes from Giannis for open mm-hmm. dunks open jump shots, open threes, that you will rarely ever see a Thon maker dribbling by himself move into a dunk, a layup, or anything like that. No way. Brandon Ingram, towards the end of this season, it's been all on his own accord, you know? Right. Off of dribble pull-ups, you know, crossovers, hezzies, shakes. It's cra- Like, that's Just the biggest thing. in transition, thing. taking yeah. it all the way himself. And this is, I think, a more underrated part is the fact that he's been more confident being a little more shaky, you know? Yeah. A little more street ball-y. And even, even against Kevin Durant in Golden State, you know? He had that move where Kevin Durant was like, whoops, <laughs> missed that assignment and yeah, totally went yeah. in for the layup. Right. So, ah, uh, man, Brandon Ingram, just his crazy stride this year. That's that's how you want the Lakers to improve, right? Where it's like bad, 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 bad. But on a flip of a dime, oh, they can be that good all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just waiting to – it's just bubbling, waiting yeah. to explode there. So right, right. that's kind of the kind of progression that we want to see. And hopefully Brandon Ingram is like a microcosm of that. So, yeah, that play definitely summed it up for all of us in terms of litness <laughs> for this <laughs> season, I think. And, yeah, so we're going to get to our end-of-season award shortly and just predictions, but – I guess because we had all of our exit interviews today, just wanted to get your thoughts on that and just the presiding sentiment over everything. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell wasn't able to make it because he's still in Louisville um, with his family. Obviously, condolences to his grandmother and the rest of his family. Obviously, a very emotional week for D'Angelo Russell, but we're glad he had he was able to have his moment, you know, and really end the season like that. I'm sure it was very vindicating for him after so much frustration and so many people doubting him, doubt, questioning his personality and character, you know? Yeah. Even after that shot 
for his grandmother, which is ridiculous. This just goes to show you, like, we don't know these guys at all. We don't know what they're going through. Like, we need to remove ourselves from the basketball sometimes and just realize these guys are people. And that shot meant way more to D'Angelo Russell than a random, like, let's think about the top three pick guys. It's like, come on, dude. Let's not be so petty about it. Yeah. So... I'm really glad D'Angelo had that shot, and I'm really glad that he's able to spend time with his family. With regards to these exit interviews, the biggest takeaway for me was like, oh my gosh, so much love, so much chemistry, so much camaraderie. Definitely not that doom and gloom stuff you had from you know Byron Scott last year. Luke Walton even said, I mean, someone asked him today in the interview that, um, is it important that your players like you? And as is customary for Luke, he ended up taking that question and made it not about himself, but about the other people. And he was just like, I want the guys to like me, but it's not for my own self-esteem. Like I need to go home and have a lot of friends. I want them to like me so that they like coming to work and they like the environment and culture that they're in. And I was just like, oh, that's so much like Luke, such a giving person, always very considerate of other people. It's like, it's always never about him. It's always about the other guys and whether they're comfortable. So, and that's the type of culture he instills. And it's what a breath of fresh air, man. And, And all the guys just said as much Julius Randall saying like, hey, I'm totally fine with him berating me and being hard on me because I know him as a person and he's not doing it to attack me on a personal level. And Luke said that I want these guys to know that I have their backs no matter what so that when it comes time to tell them what's up, they're more responsive to it. It's such a simple message, simple message of positivity that it's it's crazy that Byron was never able to bridge this gap. It's like so simple you know what did you yeah, get out of today's I mean, I'm, I'm trying to imagine what Byron would say if someone said do you care if the players like you or not no. I'm pretty sure his response would be very smug like no I don't give a damn Yep. if they do great if not it's fine still play well and be like all okay with, all that, with his arms folded that's cool you know and uh, it's it's just a different mentality it's a completely different generation you know how you're brought up and uh, it's definitely a nature versus nurture conversation. And fortunately for us, Luke has grown up in an extremely unique household um, with Big Bill and his tight Laker t-shirts over there. <laughs> so I love that answer by Luke as well, where, like you said, or like he said, it's it's not about the guys liking him. Like He probably could not care less if the guys like him as a person, just that alone. The problem is, if they don't like me, they are not going to perform well. Right. And that's the bottom line here is they need to perform well. So whatever strategy you need to take, however you're going to approach these situations in order to bring about bring the best out of everybody is what you're going to do. Now, fortunately, what Luke has going for him is he is a great guy. You know, it's all about capitalizing on your strengths. His biggest strength is he's likable. He understands people. Uh, he knows how to communicate well. So... Of course, that's what he's going to do. And it just, it comes so naturally. And I think it's great that the guys on our team understand that too, you know, because if a person isn't as, I don't know, like just dedicated to this team or this sport, they might not even get that. Oh man, he's like a chill guy, whatever. But I think our guys are smart enough to connect the dots here, which is good. Yeah. Um, So... That's great. And as far as like the other interviews, I'll, I'll be honest, today was kind of a packed day. So I listened to like four of the interviews and I'll get to all of them for sure tonight. But I really liked what Julius had to say 
just in terms of like his maturity. Mm-hmm. I feel like he ha- has just come such a long way. And we were talking about before, he seems very comfortable in his own skin. Yep. And he doesn't have to try hard to do anything. He's just himself up there. And he talked about Brandon a lot with regards to just how far he's come this year. And it's like when you when Julius is talking about him, he's like like glowing. Like he's mm-hmm. so proud of Brandon. You yeah. know, like he's a his his little cousin or his nephew or something like that. And uh that that was the case for like almost all the guys on our team today saying B I this, tiny that, tiny that, yeah. his nickname tiny. He's like he's sixteen, right? He's like one twenty. That's right, that's <laughs> right, buck twenty, yeah, yeah. So um that's what I got out today for sure and it was like you said before, a completely different vibe from last season. I think the other thing that I got was just how transparent the front office is now because every time the guys came to the media, they were very, they were able to say stuff like, oh yeah, they told me they didn't want me back. Or like, you know, they were very real with me. And I I think that's something that if it was Mitch and Jim last year, it would have been a lot more sugar-coated. Super vague, with a lot, Yeah, super vague, right? Like, well, nothing's official, so we're just not going to tell you. Exactly. Until you find out on ESPN. And that's what I love about this new organization. Like, yo, let's just cut the you-know-what. Yeah, and people didn't expect this from Magic Johnson, right? They were like, oh, they thought he would be all, like, sugar-coatery and all that stuff. But instead, you know, Meta goes out there and he's like, you know, Magic Johnson kept it real with me. And he said, probably not going to bring me back as a player. And I think Luke said it, like, we wanted to give Meta a chance to explore other opportunities because it seems like he still wants to play. But we told him, like, hey, if those opportunities aren't out there and you want to find a different role with us, we'll help you get to that place, you know? We just wanted to tell him out right now so that he could begin making plans with his agent. Like, that is so smart and so considerate and just the transparency involved is amazing. It makes so much sense. And you point back to what Palinka and Magic said on day one. Like, we're all about transparency. We're just going to yep. say whatever it is is going yep. on. That's it. And there it is in action right there. And how many times in the past, you know, is it, oh, you know, we'll call you and we'll let you know what's going on. And then Brian Shaw is eating breakfast or whatever it yeah. is, and he finds out he's not the head coach. Right. Phil, the whole thing with him not coming back. It's it's like, ah, it was, it was such a problem where they're holding the card so close to their chest. And it's like, okay, that's not the time to be playing games this is a person's life and like again yeah like you said if they had told meta "Eh, we'll see if there's a place for you i don't know we got to evaluate things that's like so wishy-washy yeah well now what's meta gonna do he's just gonna sit there on his hands and be like hmm i wonder what's going on yep you know and that sucks and that's how you burn bridges and bridges at least that's what literally happened you know with so many players brian shaw for that matter he was really unhappy you know yeah and yeah. so now it's like treat the people with respect and regardless of whether or not it's good or bad news, they'll respect you for that. You know what I mean? And I think this all comes from, again, Palinka being an agent and knowing how to deal with these people and just being upfront with them from the start. And so obviously today we found out Meta said that he's likely not going to be back with the Lakers, but he's enjoyed his time here. And, you know, props to Meta World Peace. He's always going to be a Laker for life. We're always going to remember his antics and for making that 2010 championship I got Wheaties! <laughs> Queensbridge! <laughs> One of the most memorable championship runs ever because of his improbable shots, you know, from the Phoenix put-back game winner to the Boston Celtics, like, don't shoot it! Oh my gosh! Yay! <laughs> Three-pointer where Kobe passed to me, you know, like... <laughs> Metal World passed me the ball <laughs> and I shot a three. <laughs> so yeah, Metal World Peace, thank you so much for your your time with the Lakers. It's been fun and it's been I mean, just the maturation that we've seen from Ron has been amazing too. So um. on, on a side note, did you hear Jordan Farmar talking about Meta 
during the game the other night. About China? No, oh, no, okay. dude. It's so funny. So he was like, I think Chris McGee or Mike Bresnahan was like, tell us like a Meta World Peace story. Yeah. And he was like, man, there was this one time, it was, it was game one of the NBA Finals against the Celtics. And he's like, Ron told us, yo, I'm going to tackle Paul Pierce on the first play oh, of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's just like, ha you know, whatever, we get you, right? And then the next thing you know, right after the jump ball, they're boxing out under the basket. He just takes him down to the ground. Paul Pierce's headband is all, like, off his head and stuff like that. And the bench, Jordan Farmer says, is just cracking up. Because they're like, oh, my God, like, he, he did actually it. tackled him. That guy is freaking awesome. So, got to add that to the story. Sure. I didn't realize it was so intentional. That's awesome. Apparently, Jordan Farmer also said um, Meta had to change his diet when he came back from China. Because he didn't want to eat cats and dogs. And I was like, ooh. Someone Yo, made... you're lucky this is just local Yo, cable for... Where's a John Black? I know, um, right? Uh, but anyways, yeah, you know, to go back to the ex- ex- exit interviews, you know, Meta World Peace being able to divulge that inter- information told a lot from Uncle P. Kind of weird, his interview. You could kind of tell that it was his... Probably his last time as a Laker as well. But I think what we took away from that was the Lakers do want him back. But it's kind of like an ultimatum kind of thing. He has one of two options. Either opt into your contract or you're pretty much gone. You know, if Met- if Uncle P thinks that he can opt out to renegotiate a longer contract with the Lakers, I don't think those are in the cards for Rob Palinka. If it's one year for $5 million, that's great. You know, we could use another shooter just in case. But if he wants to do like, oh, Three more years at the same price or even more. I don't think Rob Palinka wants to do that. So the fact that they went out ahead of that and told him that is good because now Uncle P's like, you know, I want to play for a contender in a playoff team, which is good for him. You know, he should set his sights high like that. Um, it's just dependent on whether another team will do that for him. But, you know, it sounds also like he may be willing to take the same amount or even less to be with a playoff contender. So, you know, we'll see. And, you know, even as, even to Uncle P, even though he's been here in, during the rockiest times, during non-playoff times, he at least made it entertaining these last four years or oh, whatever, yeah. you know? He was always a good guy, you know? He was very harmless. Really wacky at times, but honestly, he made things fun, right? Gave yeah. us a lot to talk can, about. Can you imagine if during the dark years he weren't here and you just oh, had man. another, like robot no basically i I, we would not have been able to go through it at all like with any sort of smile yeah (laughs) or whatever so one less impression exactly some other last takeaways from the exit interview was rob palinka he once again used a very visual metaphor which is great i really liked his rubik's cube rubik's cube the future you know when we think about the lakers future we just have to try out a bunch of different combinations and you know we might not get it right the first time like if we don't keep our pick (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why my Rob Palenka impression is Bill Clinton, but it is. And, but I like that analogy because it's totally fitting in terms of we now have a GM who's going to try out different combinations and try out different things, and he's not going to sit on his hands. I think that's the biggest thing I took away from it. He's like, we have a plan if we keep the pick. We have a plan if we don't keep the pick. We're going to have to rebound just like this franchise has rebounded from a bunch of different things. And even listed all of our downtimes in terms of we had to rebound when a Kobe injured his Achilles, we had to rebound when we didn't make the playoffs, when we lost this, et cetera, et cetera. So the fact that he said, and if we lose the pick, we're going to have to find a way to rebound, and we will. And he also set the precedent for this organization, including himself in that, where he's like, we don't deserve our jobs if we're not going to be perfect, you know, if we're not going to be at the optimal level. And that goes for me and Magic. We want to set this precedent where we are once again 
the best at everything. And, you know, some people might look at that and say, oh, no, not Lakers exceptionalism again, blah, blah, blah. But I think I actually believe it from Rob Palinka. And we have to remember when Rob Palinka puts all this like, you know, Lakers legacy kind of stuff out there. He's I mean, on on the one hand, he's half pandering to the general public. I mean, you have to as the face of the Lakers GM, right? It wouldn't would it make sense if you got up there and were so boring and started talking about cap numbers and analytics and didn't talk about Lakers legacy, right? You have to do that. It's part of the job description. So that's part of the reason why he brings all that up. I, just, I don't even know how he, a person could ignore it. You can't, right? Yeah. But the fact is you also have to take into account his historical background as an agent just two or three months ago. So when he's bringing up stuff like the tide is turning with the way that people are thinking about the Lakers once again, those are probably coming from actual anecdotal facts and not Lakers exceptionalism. He's not saying the tide is turning because this is what always happens to the Lakers. It's like, you know, um, actually two months ago, I talked to Paul George's agent or like, I know Paul George's agent. I know James Harden's agent. I know Blake Griffin's and they actually like what's going on with yeah, the Lakers. Yeah, Rob Palenka strikes me as a guy with high integrity. And yeah. if those thoughts were not out there, he wouldn't say it. Right. He'd say something else right. that would be positive and optimistic. But if he's actually heard these things, you know, that's why he said it. Yeah. And he's not, you know, saying that all this stuff is set in stone. He's just like, that's the feeling that's out there. And we're going to take advantage of that feeling as soon as this summer. So really like that from Rob Palinka. And honestly, everything else is just really encouraging. Brandon Ingram talking about just how he's really felt like he's grown as a leader and he wants to continue to be and learn how to be more vocal as the season progresses next year. And just learning that, I think Julius Randle said it. He's like, I feel like Brandon Ingram gave too much respect to the players in the NBA and didn't think he could stack up against them, but realized, oh, you know, I can defend these guys. I can go up against them. And when he, once he realized he could do that, everything changed for him. And he was he, such he a He needs to hang out with Kobe this summer. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what they Honestly, said he's going to do. Yeah. Uh, they said Kobe's going to wants to be available to all these players because he reached out to so many players of his own, so many legends like Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, and he wants to be the same sort of player for these guys. And that's all you want to hear. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, very promising. He's going to help Brandon, obviously, with the technical aspects of the game, but I feel like the mentality, is, I mean, you can take this with a grain of salt, but all of Kobe's little short movies that he's putting out, yes, there's a technical aspect, but how much of it is the mentality, you know, the, the psychology of the game, how you approach things from a mental standpoint and i feel like that's how he influenced Kawhi this yep. off season in such oh, totally. a big way and we've said it here before greg popovich said kind of jokingly but he's serious he's like yeah you know how i know Kawhi is really good now it's because he stopped listening to me <laughs> and uh, i think it's all because he worked out with kobe this summer and it's like hey man obviously you're gonna take that so if that's how kobe can rub off on bi or whoever on this team shoot like that's freaking awesome. Like, what a luxury these players have in Kobe being willing to, you know, give his time to them. Exactly. And yeah, so I think we'll just leave it there in terms of exit interviews since we're running a little short on time. But basic thing is that the front office was very clear about what they communicated to the players in terms of what they need to work on. The guys are very receptive to that. Shout out to Thomas Robinson because his interview was great. He was very transparent and he just talked about how you know, early on in his career, his main focus was wanting to prove to people that he wasn't a bust. And that really got to him. And it really took him away from focusing on certain things that 
focusing on just becoming a really solid role player and focusing in on the things that he was already good at in terms of, let me just be a rebound guy. Let me just be a hustle guy. Instead, he was like, oh, I, I can't be a bust. I can't prove to people. You know, I have to prove people wrong, so I have to show them that I can do everything. And by stretching himself so thin in that area, he was never able to hone in on any one skill. But now he's in that place, you know, now he's 25, 26, and he was like, I've just come into my own a little bit more where I can relax, let that go, and just focus on slowly working on these things, but really staking my claim as an energy guy, hustle guy, playing defense, and getting the boards, you know? So just his maturation was really great to hear from T. Robin. Just the fact that it's, it seems like he's so self-aware and introspective was was really great. And so you get this type of response from players who have been in a sort of culture that allows that to happen, you know, op- open-door policy kind yeah. of season for the Lakers. And we, once again, you have to credit that to Luke. Palinka, yeah, magic. Yeah. It's otherwise, it's you know, if you're T Rob and you just kind of have everything bottled up inside yeah, you and you, a shell. your own ideas are bouncing around in your head and there's nothing to throw it onto or throw it at, like, how are you going to progress? Right. It's impossible. And he credited Luke to being like one of the best guys to go to for that in terms of helping shepherd him into this role and everything. That's you know? awesome. You, these guys are just comfortable being able to say whatever they want without feeling like, oh, I don't know if I should say that or not, you know, so. Well, wasn't it Julius who said towards the beginning of his interview that Luke is, like, one of the most unique people he's ever met in his life? Like, yeah. his ability to stay positive no matter what and, and keep it real is just, like, something he has never experienced anywhere before. Yep. Like, it's it's so profoundly amazing. Yep. And, God, like, that's awesome. Luke is the definition of keeping it trill. <laughs> right? Keeping it true. There we go, Coach Luke. With that said, let's get on to our end of season awards and a look back on all of our terrible predictions where we will eat crow. Kaka! Y'all got Randy's donuts in here. Y'all mind pass me? Like, y'all got some original glazings? Oh, uh, my bad. We'll, after. We'll after. Shout out to Randy's donuts. Fire. All right, end of the season awards for the Los Angeles Lakers. Once again, we are going off of all of our terrible predictions in our episode with Pete Zayas at Laker Film Room, episode 79, Magic 8 Ball. Go listen to that if you want to hear and laugh at us. <laughs> but actually, actually, we do have some that are pretty on point, so nice. we'll get to that. Um, Alan, let's start with Defensive Player of the Year. Um, back in that podcast, you had, do you remember who you had? I'm going to say Jordan Clarkson. Yep, you had Jordan Clarkson as your Defensive Player of the Year. I had Lance Nance, Larry Nance Jr. Pete had Luau Deng. And <laughs> and Tommy had Brandon Ingram, which actually isn't a bad choice. Ah. So with that being said, now that the season's done, who would you say is your definitive Defensive Player of the Year? <laughs> it's really hard. It's dude. really hard. <laughs> I feel like each of them, it's like they should share it. Yeah. Like, JC deserves part of it because he got better Julius deserves part of it because there were some times where he played really good but then there's some really really bad ones yeah uh D'Angelo improved a lot Brandon was solid oh god it all just happened in spurts right but not yeah yeah each of them's like worth 20% alright but if you had to pick one who would it be Nance yep that's who I have too I'm sticking with my Lance Nance because Honestly, when he became a starter, especially these last few games, that's the biggest thing that's turned the Lakers around, right? Defensively. Having Nance and right. Julius be able to switch out and defend the paint, defend the perimeter, it's it's made a world of difference for the Lakers. And, you know, every time Lance has been there, Lance, um, <laughs> nice. Larry Nance has been out there. He's always been a hustle freak. Obviously, he has some problems 
uh, containing the perimeter sometimes, but who doesn't at this stage? Yeah, you know? for sure. Overall, he's just been, whether it's blocks, getting random steals and hustling to get the ball on the floor, he's been everywhere. And at his height and his peak, he's been a great defensive player. It's just all about putting that all together consistently for an entire season, right? So yeah. You know, if this were a thing, I would give it to the new second unit of Tyler Ennis, sure. Corey Brewer, Thomas Robinson, Tark Black, and yeah. plug in, you know, Julius or Larry, because they forced so many the turnovers. Oh, my God. Anytime that lineup came in the game, when it's like we're clearly trying to tank right now, it's like, no, they're playing so well. Yeah. Like, steal after steal, and, like, Corey Brewer is – he used to be my irrational, I hate this guy in the league – now I like him. <laughs> no, yeah, because for sure. he's so active, dude. Yeah. He's got such a motor. And that unit always crashed the boards, always hustled. So, yeah, for sure. All right, moving on. This will be quick. Sixth man of the year. I honestly don't know who to give this to. I think I'll still give it to Lou Williams. I mean, you had Uncle P. You know, Uncle P ended up starting the entire season. Pete had Nance, and Tommy had Ingram, and Ingram pretty much half the season was mm. starting. So, uh, I'll just say Lou Williams. Yeah, I, I give it to Lou overall, but if not him, I guess JC. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, what about, this is interesting, most improved player. So you, me, and Pete had D'Angelo Russell. Tommy, for some reason, had Tarek. But yeah, who would you have as your quote-unquote most improved player? <laughs> oh, man, that's interesting. The first thing that comes to mind is Brandon. But it's like, yeah. what are you comparing it to? No, but here's what I what, what I was going to say. I think I would still give it to him, even though it's not in the traditional sense right. of what, year one to year two. It's, you know, first few months to last few months. Yeah, I mean... It's been night and day to see Brandon Ingram oh, from the beginning no to the end. And so if you're looking at that unconventional standard, Brandon Ingram definitely improved the most as the season went on. It's like a microcosm, right? If you year one was this first half of the season, year two was this. And holy crap, most improved player, right? Yep. Um, but if we're going by the normal standards, I think I would go Julius Randle still. Me too. Because, I mean, to go from 42% to 48% shooting and then adding that playmaking vision to Doubled his game. Doubled his assists. Yeah, is, is great. You know, and learning to play defense a little better has been awesome from Randall. So, yeah. Most, Got a little three-pointer going. Oh, he, three it, triple especially, doubles. Especially that one, for sure. So, yeah, I think under the conventional standards of this, you know, award, it would be Julius Randall for most improved. What about MVP? This one is like, I'm like, ooh, can we just give it to no one? Like, I don't really know. It hasn't been consistent well, enough okay I, I think the way you gotta look at it is if you remove player x from this team how much worse are we it's like a wind chairs sure. type thing right yeah I, I think just to go down the list very quickly like if you get rid of julius because he disappears so many times you may not miss him as much you know what i mean mm -hmm. if you get rid of jc like yeah that would suck but we could live i think if you get rid of d'angelo we're done Right, we right. are so done. If you get rid of Brandon, like that would really suck too. But I, I don't know, like just based on how the season went with some injuries and things like that, you could see him not being there. Right, D'Angelo, the, we're done. And so at this I, stage, his impact isn't at that level yet. Where with D'Angelo, when he went down, we saw our season spiral from absolutely. being fringe playoff contention to uh oh, we're back in the lottery. So actually, I agree with you. Now, optically, would we have liked him to be more consistent and be more absolutely bang, twenty points? Yeah, obviously, yes. But there were so many things that happened wrong in terms of the injuries, him getting being slow to get back from those injuries, and then et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, we all had D'Lo as our MVP, um, and I think we'll keep it there. It's not as confident an MVP as the yeah. beginning of the season. What's but... your like gut reaction to that? Who's your MVP? Go. I think a lot of people want to say Brandon. Right. Because of how he came on so strong late. 
Yeah, but if you took so him out like, of the lineup and exactly. D'Angelo was still there, it would yeah. be we would be the same team essentially. For sure. But maybe year two it would be that case. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much all the awards. I mean, Coach of the Year, Luke Walton, right? But I do have some other unconventional awards that the NBA doesn't award. Who would be your um, player you had sky-high expectations for but didn't necessarily meet those expectations for some reason? So for me, it's actually going to be Jordan Clarkson. Oh, okay. Because... Man, when we saw him in preseason, you know, he was hitting threes like it was no one's business. He was defending like it was no one's business. And we're like, oh, man, here we go. Breakout season for Jordan Clarkson. He's going to turn it around whether or not he's starting or he's on the bench. Just him shoring up his defense and then his three-point shot. He's going to be like the prototypical 3 and D type guard that we need. And then he got his shot when D'Angelo went down. He didn't really show anything. And then it took him... You know, granted, Lou Will was there to impede him a little bit, but the fact that it had to take Lou Will finally getting off the team for him to finally hit his stride, and then for him to not really ever, you know, get back to playmaking until the very end was kind of disappointing. Even, you know, Drew Hanlon, who we had on this podcast, said decision-making is still a big thing he needs to work on, you know. Um, So that was disappointing that Jordan Clarkson didn't really take that next leap. Instead, he's kind of plateaued into this, like, Mm. oh, he's a pretty good player, and pretty decent six man where I thought he would at least be oh man this guy could be kind of like Lou Williams like 18 19 points and efficient you know and maybe he still could get to that level but this year was sort of kind of like instead of rising more like plateauing even though I'll give him credit for being a better defender yeah what about you yeah and I mean he's he's likely to have an outburst every now and then where he's gonna get 30 points yeah, you know, he could explode for that, but I, I get what you're saying for sure. It would have been nice if he could get a solid 17, you know, 18 points per game as opposed to like 13. Right. Um, guy who fell short of my expectations, not sound like the general public, but I guess D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was really expecting to see him be more consistent because the beginning of the year, it just seemed like he and Luke were completely on the same wavelength. And it it seemed like that wavered from time to time. Uh, I mean, Luke did pull him from the starting lineup momentarily. And honestly, if D'Angelo were just playing his butt off all year, that does not happen. So clearly, like, there was a disconnect. Something was going on. Um, So he would probably be my guy. Again, numbers-wise, clearly made a huge leap from last year. Um, when you compare him to younger guards, all that stuff, like he is very good, but my expectations for him were to really have that leadership impact on the team, be Mm -hmm. a little bit more vocal, be the guy that, um, others on the team really look to for direction and guidance. And I think he just sort of fell in line and at times, you know, fell behind as well. Um, so yeah, that would be my guy. Cool. Okay. My last award would be, and it's pretty self-explanatory. Which player kind of over-exceeded your expectations? We might have the same one. For me, it's Zubats. <laughs> because okay, I, yeah, didn't, I yeah. didn't expect this guy to play at all. Definitely. I expected him at most to get garbage time minutes. But once they went to the you know true young core, flash the progress, and he got some starts, um, he really showed his worth in terms of, like, I'm a skilled offensive player. Obviously, I have some work to do on the defensive end, but shoot offensively i can show the jump shot already show the hook shots flip shots soft touch and yeah you can already see his trajectory sky high pretty much if he can just learn how to tone his muscles up a little bit (laughs) gain some more lateral quickness and just learn how to be a better positional defender um so yeah absolutely same here had 
pretty much no expectations for him um, other than, like you said, maybe the last 20 games of the year. He'll get like 10 to 15 minutes per game, and he'll show a little bit. But he came on strong. No one expected that to happen. Even our own like coaching staff and players were like, oh, man, I didn't know he was like this skilled. Yep. So, yeah, pick-and-roll defense, that's going to be a big one for him this summer. For sure. Okay, so let's not spend too much time on this because I still want to go over stats predictions, which is fun. But I do have some weird awards here. I won't even answer them myself. I'll just give them to you. Cool. Player who would most likely be a successful wallaby tamer slash domesticator <laughs> based off of whatever things or crooks you've seen from him this season. Go. <laughs> gut reaction. Best wallaby domesticator. Brandon Ingram. All right. There we go. Why? Any sort of... He's so calm. Oh, yeah. Actually, Calm, yeah. composed. Yeah. It's I like he'd like... be super patient, wouldn't get mad at exactly. anything. Exactly. Yeah, He's no. like, hey, just come here, Wallaby. He is, he is like the, antith- he's the, ant- he's the antithesis of being volatile. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Except for that one dunk. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it took him about 30 seconds to say, of course, twice in his interview today. Oh, well, you know, of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. You know, uh, of course. You know, wallaby, get over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. Player who would most likely double as the best random uber driver ever or i guess player that in another life you'd love to have as an uber driver for like an hour long drive oh my god nick young <laughs> okay no I doubt kn- dude. okay i know you say that off the cuff but it's an hour long drive dude i don't know man i feel I... like you <laughs> i think it would be a blast dude to just go along with all the crazy stuff he says at some point i would just start asking him questions and just see what he's gonna say i don't know sure i think some people might think it's obnoxious but i would find that to be absolute gold sure i think for me it would be and this might be a boring answer but larry nance to fit my personality Uh, i don't think for an hour i could listen to nick young talk without without wanting to blow my head off like for the first (laughs) for like the first 20 30 minutes i'm like oh yeah this is funny and then i'm gonna be like yo man can you shut up Can we talk about something else? With Nance, I feel like you could hit a bunch of different levels from okay. the witty to the clever. It's okay. so all of a sudden like super deep and we're like, oh, okay. For sure. For Larry sure. I, I, I guess when I think of like my Uber drivers, it's like, <laughs> oh God, they're either super, super boring, you know, yeah. or like they're really chill. And for Uber, like I would love to just be entertained, get out of the car and be like, dude, that was freaking hilarious. Now, if it's like, who would you want to take a road trip with for like six hours or something yeah. from LA to NorCal? I totally agree to Larry Nance because that sure. guy is going to provide you with great conversation. Yep, for sure. Cool. Did you like those awards? Those are awesome, dude. Cool. After <laughs> Summer League and stuff, we'll probably do more random stuff like that. Good. Actually, the off-season is our in-season, so everybody prepare for that. We did also have some statistical predictions before the season began. We'll see how close we were. Um, okay, D'Angelo Russell first. Alan, you had him averaging 19.5 points, <laughs> two rebounds, five assists. Tommy had him averaging 23 points. I had him at 21, 4, and 5, two threes, two steals, 44% from the field, and two hairdo changes. Now, <laughs> his actual production in 28 minutes per game, granted, I don't think we thought he was only going to average 28 as well, so we got to keep that in mind. True. In 28 minutes per game, D'Angelo averaged 15.6 points, 3.5 rebounds, 4.8 assists, 2.8 turnovers, which is only up 0.3 from last year, but he upped his assists per assist total to buy 1.3. So that's mm. a better assist-to-turnover ratio. And 1.4 steals. On 40.5% shooting, 35.2% from three, but he did hit 2.13s, which is up from 1.6 his rookie year. And he had 135 threes this year, I believe, up from 132. Mm. So his per 36s are 19.6, 4.4, 
six assists, one point seven rebounds, which is actually more in line with your yeah. nineteen point five, two and five, right? Hey-o. And right in line with my twenty one, four, five, etc. And his post All Star numbers actually, which is I think a better indicator of what would have happened if he was D'Angelo Unchained from the beginning mm-hmm. without Lou Williams and without the minutes restrictions. And, and without the injury. Yeah, and without yeah. Luke kind of pulling him whenever he's not hot in the fourth quarter. His post-All-Star numbers are 18.5 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.8 steals, 42.5% from the field, 35.6% from 3. And I think that pretty much goes right in between all of our averages, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. Pretty much a 19-3-5 guy with 2 steals, which yeah. is great for him. We just want to see him raise his percentage, take better shots, not settle for the three as much. But otherwise, when he's had the time, which is 32 minutes per game, he has been a 19-5 and player. Even though we were disappointed with how he's progressed this year, it's been shown when he does get the minutes, he can be that sort of player that we always assume him to be. And this year he made strides in, as opposed to last year, the beginning of last year when he was as slow as molasses, you know, being a little more better at being shifty, crafty in the lane, actually taking ventures down there. Not as much as we'd like, but way better than when he started off. And um, yeah, even raising his three point, not he didn't really necessarily raise his three point percentage, but he made a lot more threes as well. So yeah, with D'Angelo Russell, like Rob Palinka said in the exit interview, he said that he wants to work on his defense even more this season. And that's great. Okay, Jordan Clarkson. Oof, we whiffed on this one. You had him at 18, 3 and 3. Tommy had him at 18, 5 and 4. I had had him at 18, 4 and 2. His actual numbers in 29 minutes per game was 14.7 points, 3 rebounds, 2.6 assists, oh. 1.1 steals, 44.5% shooting, which is actually pretty good. I got the 3-3. Three and three. <laughs> Yeah, but a kind of disappointing 33% from the 3-point line. Now, his post-All-Star numbers, which again should be more indicative of who Jordan Clarkson is, undeterred by Lou Williams, 17.2 points, 3.3 rebounds, 3.8 assists, 43.5% from the field, 32% from three, two threes a game. Yeah, so that, that's where it kind of lines up again, right? Yeah. Where our predictions are more in line with the undeterred predictions true, when they true. don't have Lou Will there and the restrictions and all of that. And they were allowed to kind of play more of their game and allowed to make more mistakes with the minutes there. So, yeah, not bad. Seems yeah. seem sort of bad. We but, seem somewhat intelligent. Right, but when I contextualize it, then we get the more fair yes. you know, lineup. So Julius Randle. This is where we were kind of on point, I think. Mm. Um, you had him at 13, 10, 4, not on the defensive end, 1.2 blocks, 1.4 steals. Um, Tommy had him at 14, 12, 3, 50% shooting. I had him at 13.5 points, 9 rebounds, 3.5 assists, and 47% shooting. Holy Nostradamus. Ooh, I am Jeez. Nostradamus when it comes to Julius Randle, dude. What Here the? are his actual numbers. What the? In 28 minutes per game, 13.2 points, 8.6 rebounds, 3.6 assists, 0.7 steals, 0.5 blocks, 48.7% from the field. Crazy, right? Dude. He had also 0.2 from threes. And that's impressive right? because he, I think his 13 threes came during the last 20 games or so. So yep, yep. that's pretty impressive. Only shot 27%, but when you're just trying it out, so what? it's fine. Look at like Draymond's, not to bring up that comparison yeah, all the time, but exactly. as a guy who didn't shoot threes, it started like his progression. Yeah, it was good. So yeah, we're pretty online, but none more so than me. <laughs> that, was, that was dope, dude. Yeah. Okay, so how about Larry Nance Jr.? Here's one where we pretty much... Hit it on the nail, yeah. the nail on the head, pretty much. Uh, you had him at 7.57, 2.5 assists, 
1.5 blocks, 1 steal. Tommy had him at 7, 7, 1, 1, 1, 55%, 30% from 3. I had him at 8.5, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, hitting 0.3 from 3. His actual in 22 minutes was 7.1, 5.9, 1.5 assists, 1.3 steals, 0.6 blocks on 53% shooting, 0.23s, 28% from 3s, and obviously just like Julius, 10 of his 3-pointers came in the last 20-plus games of the season. And that's another area that we've seen so much progress from Larry Nance being willing to hit the mid-range jump shot but also being willing to hit the three-point shot yeah. and it's opened the floor so much especially with less hesitation totally and that's why this unit with Larry Nance Jr. and Julius Randle has been working right because not only on defense but on offense they're spacing it out for each other and for their teammates that they're able to hit those threes and those mid-range jump shots it yeah. like, opens the floor up so much more so on that end good job us we're smart we are <laughs> Oh, but also, here is April's splits, by the way, when he's been starting. 10.3 points, 9.6 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 2 steals, 1 Dang. block, 48% what shooting. The... So, Dude. if that's Nance when he gets the minutes, yeah, that's crazy, you know? He'll get the minutes. So, it's really cool to see that. Brandon Ingram, you had him at 12, 4, 3, 0.8 blocks, 1.1 steals, 34% from 3. Tommy had 12, 4, 1, 41% from the field, 33% from 3. I had him at 10-4-2. Uh-oh. Oh, shoot. 43% from the field, 1.1 steals, 0.8 blocks. So Brandon Ingram in 28 minutes had 9.4 points, 4 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 0.6 steals, 0.5 blocks, 40.2% from the field, 29% from 3. So, I mean, it, obviously it took that crazy second half to even get his percentage up to 40% when it was down to like 35, right? So that's pretty impressive in and of itself. Um, But I think if he had played more like the second half consistently in the first half, it probably would have lined up with the 12, 4, and 3, you know, Mm. you and Tommy were thinking of. And in fact, his post-All-Star numbers are 13.2 points, 4 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.5 blocks on... 47.5% 47.5% that's from the, the field. That's the that mid-range, dude. That's the best part. Amazing. And this is also with like 55% from the line, right? Yeah. And yeah. 28% from three. So, again, once he shores that up, sky is the limit for Brandon Flash's Ingram. Tiny dog. Flash the progress, everybody. <laughs> and so we also ended that episode. Outside of the statistical stuff, we also ended that episode with some bold predictions. Alan, your bold prediction was Ingram is going to get a starting spot just after the All-Star break, and he did, even before that, and he's going to average 18 points on 36% from three. (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll defend you a little bit by saying maybe if he had hit more threes and hit more free throws, he may have been around 15, which would have been closer. Yeah, right, right. Um, I got half of it, right? right. Tommy's was D'Lo will be a top 10 scorer in the NBA with like 23 (laughs) points per game. Nope. Maybe if he had played 36 minutes per game, right? We'll give him that because per 36, D'Angelo is like yeah. 21. Mine is the worst. Tommy is an optimistic guy. Mine is the worst, dude. I was like, Lakers will finish in top 18 in both defensive efficiency and offensive efficiency. And where where, where we finish? 30th in defensive and 24th in offensive. But I will say, at least we improved offensively because we were 29th in offensive efficiency last year. So yeah. there we go. Those were our quote-unquote bold predictions. Pete got his right when he's when he said Lou Will will not finish the season as a Laker. So there you Dude, go. Dude, I remember we yeah. were like, ooh, <laughs> when he said that too. We were like, oh, yeah. that's good. <laughs> 
So yeah, those are our look back on our predictions and our updated thoughts and awards on the Lakers this season. It's been a fun ride. I can't we, believe it's been six months since that. I felt like it went went by really quickly. Seriously. And as opposed to last year when we had to bemoan not only the state of the team, but also the management and Byron Scott. This year, it was like, if we were bemoaning stuff about Luke, it was very nitpicky stuff about rotations and also reminding ourselves that, wait, hold on, this is his first year in the league too. We've got to allow him some space and growing pains and all that stuff. And man, when you look at this year and just say, this is year one under Luke only, and we've already seen so much progress, you can't help but be optimistic, right? So from now till May, it's all about, you know, just pray, cross your fingers, do whatever your superstitious sports thing you need to do. Um, but we'll continue to be optimistic. And whether or not we keep our pick, like Rob Polinka said, Rubik's Cube, let's Rubik's Cube the hell out of our future, right? <laughs> so everybody, flash the progress. Thank you for listening to the Lakers Legacy. We're also on Dash Radio, obviously. Alan, what time? Oh, this is a Swaggy P coming in, you know. I'm going to be playing on some other team next year against y'all. But uh, I guess I'll give one more shout-out, you know, because I'm a nice guy. Keep it trill. Mondays, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. when you're driving your butt to work. I ain't going to be doing that. I'll be driving my kid, Lil Swaggy P, to school. And then I don't know what I'm going to do after that. I'm going to like buy some clothes or something like that. Something crazy. But, yeah, Monday, 8 to 9 a.m., most hated. There we go, Uncle P. We will miss you, my friend. Peace out, y'all. Oh, see you, Swaggy. <laughs> so yeah, I'll play for the Clippers so I don't have to go nowhere. <laughs> oh, God. Good luck. But, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining us. Like we said, off-season is in-season for the Lakers legacy because there's a ton of stuff happening from the lottery to summer league to free agency, trades, who knows what's going to go down. It's Rob Palinka's turn at the seat, and, you know, we're excited. So, Flash the progress, hashtag flash the progress, hashtag it's lit LA, get lit, it's trill. Flashes. It's been fun, man. Once again, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many stupid Lakers tweets of, why did we win so many games? I will be RTing on May 16th. And the only reason why I'll be RTing those tweets is because something good probably happened. So rate and review us so that something good happens. With that said, we will catch you guys on the next episode, and uh, Tommy Alexander should be back by then. So, there we go. With that, I'm going to leave you with some parting words from Tommy. All right, here we go. (laughs) He said, I'm very confused by the quote, well, it was a fun season, even though we didn't win as much as we wanted to, end quote narrative. We won nine more games than we did last season. Two to three of our wins last season were all just Kobe going off randomly. People are like, eh, whatever, they won some meaningless games at the end of the season. Well, you know, last time I checked, we've been playing meaningless games for four years now. So we're going to leave you with that one from good old Tommy. All right. Thank you, Tommy Alexander. Alan, I'll catch you later. Later. Peace. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. 
Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! Did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi! You have high cholesterol! Hi! You're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi! There's no more cake! Even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.